Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska, where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. What's good, Alaska? This is Scott Levesque, and you're listening to the Daily Dose of the Must Read Alaska podcast. I want to thank everybody for joining with me. It is New Year's Eve, and in Anchorage, Alaska right now, we are seeing variations between light flurries and big old fat ones, and why not? It is New Year's Eve. I hope everybody's out there getting ready to have themselves a good time, be safe. As always, that's what we love here at Must Read Alaska. We want to be safe. But before we get into this, uh, and I have our fearless leader, Suzanne Downing, with us today. I want to tell you a couple of things. Number one, it is the last day for us to try to hit our mark of 150 reviews on the Apple podcast app. Listen, we're right there. We're at 145. You guys have been incredible. But if you haven't had a chance, it's literally a second. It's given us a five-star review and that helps us out tremendously. Let's try to hit 150 before tomorrow. And just to let you guys know as well, we are tracking really well on Facebook and we're almost at 25,000 likes and that was another goal that we wanted to hit this year so if you have a second again it's just hitting that like button and uh, it helps us reach our goals and get our message out and that's what we're trying to do here but listen I want to thank you guys so much as we close out the year it has been a tremendous uh, year and a half of doing podcasting and uh, I'm going to ask Suzanne to comment on this when I'm done but I just want to thank all of our listeners all of our readers and all of our supporters without you guys uh, this would be a severely difficult uphill battle. We have a great leader in Suzanne who's constantly working. John Quick has always does a lot of behind the scenes work and is, of course, on Monday. But for me, I really love what we do here and I appreciate you guys. And I just want to say thank you. Suzanne, let's bring you in. I mean, it's been an incredible year for Must Street, has it not? You know, it has been a record setting year, actually. And thank you so much, Scott, for being our fearless producer of this show and agreeing to do this way back in September of 2020. And so um, and in September, we said, well, we're going to do this again. We're going to, it was such a fun year, that first one, and we're just going to do it again. And we have had a good year on the website. Uh, everything's gone well. Recently, we posted, uh, people might notice that mustreadalaska.com, but they see some Google ads on there. And I apologize if they seem a little bit annoying. We're trying to calibrate that. So what we want is we want some steady revenues so that we can pay people like Scott and like John. And, so, and occasionally I like to take a draw so that I can uh, survive as well. But uh, but mainly we want to have stable revenues. So thank you so much for everybody just kind of ignoring those ads as best you can and getting right to the stories, because I know that's what you really want. And also for your, your contributions all year long it have really made a big difference. And so we're going into 2022. We're going to have a lot of campaign stuff this year. It's going to be a very, very busy year. We've hired um, David Boyle to be our education writer. He's an expert in all things education. I'm so excited. He's already produced a couple stories and one of them was picked up by a national news site from Must Read Alaska. So that was exciting. And we appreciate David Boyle a lot. He's the founder of the Alaska Policy Forum. Um, also in middle of January, Scott, I was thinking that what we should do is take the show live on Facebook. 
And we, we cool. need to start like using our Facebook platform a little bit more. We've got 25,000 followers on Facebook and not everybody is a podcast person, but a lot yeah. of people are Facebook people. And so I thought, why not go live with a video and audio uh, podcast show on Facebook? Are you into that? I, I think let's do it. Listen, I thought I had a face for radio, but maybe not. Maybe now I have a face for Facebook. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I think know, that's a great idea. The thing is, you're, you are a very handsome man and you have youth on your side. And so, you know, if I can do it, you can do it. I'm in my 60s and I'm telling you, if you if I can do it, you can do it. So I, I say, let's do it. Uh, let's aim for the middle of um, January to do that. No, that's awesome. I think that's a great, uh, the feedback I get, which is really interesting. And, and again, we're on YouTube. We're on obviously all of the platforms for podcasts and including uh, Facebook as well. But the the one thing I get is people asking to see what I look like. And of course, you and me right now are recording where we can see each other, but we put out audio. We don't put out video. And right. so that's the question everybody asks is, what does this guy look like? What does this guy look like? And uh, I think, you know what? We have heard the call of the uh, of the listeners and we will you will surely see. And I think there's going to be great disappointment. But nonetheless, we're going to disappoint <laughs> them anyways. Um, no, that's awesome. That's a lot of great stuff for... Again, I told you, I'm surprised nobody's tagged this yet. New in 2022, there's a lot of great stuff happening for Must Read Alaska. And also, you know, before we even enter 22, there's going to be quite the event. We talked about this on our other podcast, but Jamie Allard's event tonight is going to be, uh, let's just say hopping is probably the best way I can put it. There's a lot of people that it look like they're going to be attending. There was rooms opened up. There's people that are looking to stay downtown. But do you want to give us a little bit of info on that? All right, Jamie Allen. We, you know, she she's a big fan of Must Read Alaska, and we kind of love her too. She is an assemblywoman who's running for the House District 22. It's a new district that opened up during the redistricting process. It it, it covers Eagle River proper, and she is having a fundraiser at the Marriott Ballroom starting at 8 p.m. But it's going to go in to ring in the New Year. So if you show up there late, and if you only want to do a walkthrough on your way to another party, well, then just do it. It's at the Marriott Hotel downtown in Anchorage. And uh, you really don't have to RSVP. But when, if you do go to that show, you are going to be expected, I mean, that party, you are going to be expected to make a donation when you get out of the door. I think she's going to have eight people there at the door collecting donations. <laughs> she's got to cover the ballroom. She's got to cover yeah. the DJ. She's got hors d'oeuvres. She's going to have three no-host bars. She's going to, and they'll have champagne. There's going to be a red carpet selfie station, and she's got like two two surprise speakers, and I think one of them is Craig Campbell. I'm just going to say. And listen, okay. there is an address code. If you don't have a gown, don't worry. Who cares? Just go. If you have a must yeah. uh, like a must read Alaska hat, you are going to be the best dressed person there. But if you have something like a Let's Go Brandon hat or shirt. I mean, everybody's going to love that. So just go as you are and and um, have a good time there at the Marriott. And you could always stay the night downtown, even if the weather's a little bit inclement. You know, I don't want people out on the roads on amateur night. I really don't. It's just an yeah. awful night to drive around. So if you go, it might be a good idea to stay downtown if you're going to stay late or get an Uber or a Lyft. But in any case, I think um, that this is the party of the year because people haven't been able to go to, to big parties. And, uh, and right. having Jamie put on a, a New Year's Eve fundraiser, uh, it's going to be, I think there are going to be like 500 people there. Uh, that's my bet. Well, I, that will be that will be fun. Listen, I, I don't remember any time since I've been back in Alaska that 
this kind of event has happened for somebody who's running for a house, yeah. let alone a Senate. So yeah. this is uh, this is new. This is exciting. Listen, Jamie has got a lot of momentum and she's carrying that into this uh, this run for house in 22. So this is going to be great. Uh, I'd highly recommend, like Suzanne said, we're in Alaska, man. It's cold. So if you're going in there with Carhartts, go in there. It's about Come supporting in. Jamie and her candidacy as opposed to trying to look the best. And who knows? You might look the best, like you said, if you got that Let's Go Brandon or you got that beautiful Must Read Alaska beanie. That is awesome. Yeah. Well, let's get into some topics today. And like I told the listeners a couple of days ago, I wanted to hold some of these topics that came out over the week to talk to you about one, because of your wisdom, but two, because I think this is really interesting. And the first one I want to talk about is on Tuesday, Governor Dunleavy and Lieutenant Governor Meyer actually introduced uh, an election integrity bill that came out. And for those of you who do not know or don't know much about it or want to get more information on it uh, besides what we're going to talk about today, they can go to Must Read Alaska. And Suzanne wrote about it under the title, Dunleavy and Meyer have an election integrity bill for legislative session. Now, I'm going to ask you a couple questions and I'll chime in every now and then, but I really want to know this. When it comes to this bill, Suzanne, uh, why why is this introduced? It's interesting timing, but also, you know, why is it so important that we do some of the things that are in there? For example, one of those updating voter rolls. So can you kind of give us a synopsis and some of the, the reasons behind this, this piece of legislation? Right. I don't have the numbers on off the top of my head, but I will say we've got 730,000 Alaskans and something like 579,000 are registered voters. So you're here to tell me that we only have 116,000 or 118,000 um, Alaskans under the age of 18. The numbers don't add up. We are completely over-registered for our actual population. And everybody knows it. And it's because we have this automatic registration with a permanent fund dividend. So if you apply for the dividend, you're automatically registered to vote. Then federal law says you can't come off the voter rolls. Even if you don't vote for several years, you have to stay on those voter rolls. So we don't have a good way of cleaning them up. Now, it is especially important here in Anchorage because what happens is the Anchorage clerk, she pulls her voter list from those state rolls. And so she's she's sending out ballots to people who haven't been in, in Alaska for years. And because we have a mail-only ballot system, um, voting system in Anchorage, because, well, the, the not because the people wanted that, but because the assembly passed this the ordinance that we have mail-in elections. And with her pulling those voter rolls from the state, I get seven ballots at my place. And I know a lot of people who do too. And then we also are talking to people all the time about who are out of state who say, I'm still getting a ballot and they're mailing it to me out of state and haven't been in state for three years. So our voter rolls are messed up. It is uh, something that a lot of people know because they hear about it from their friends. And i am tell you, you hear about it from your friends and you hear other people hearing about it from their friends. And after a while, you, you realize there is a trend. The voter rolls are messed up and they need to be cleaned up just so we have some greater faith in our elections, especially in our local elections. Yeah, I would 100% agree. And, and, you know, anecdotally for me, I have heard of a lot of people that have said they've gotten multiple ballots in their mailbox and you just you just told us you got seven. I got four. Yeah. And so it, it is ridiculous. It does. It does provide uh, at least the appearance of not just negligence, but also the fact that uh, an individual has some questions about the integrity, which is why this bill was introduced. One of the things you said that I think is really interesting about the legislation is this PFD uh, portion of this uh, this bill, which it states this, okay? It says that uh, 
automatic voter registration would come after more than five years of experience with the process, meaning after five years of consistent registration for the PFD, you would then be placed into this automatic um, voter registration side of, of what we do now, which is every year, correct? I, I think that, I think I'll make a correction on that. I think what that means, and I, since I wrote that, I think I know what it means, is that we've had five years of experience with this automatic voter registration. So we know now what the problems are. Gotcha, and, gotcha, okay. So, so instead, they, they've been automatically opting you in and you have to request to be opted out. And this process, you'll have to request to be opted in. And that's going to gotcha. give you a, okay. a lot more secure data. So we have five years of experience and we know that this isn't working. Everybody knows it's not working. This, this opt out, you have to really jump through hoops to opt out of your automatic, but you have to be paying close attention. Right. No, no, that makes more sense now. That's that's my bad. I, I read that wrong. So that makes sense. So instead of having automatically opting in, you're automatically, well, for lack of a term, you're not in until you opt yourself into an automatic um, voter registration. That makes sense. And actually, yeah. inherently, that that is probably the best way to do that. I mean, I'm not sure why uh, I don't I wasn't back then when the decision was made. I wasn't here. Um, but ease of voter registration, I think we always make it so that we're trying to I guess for lack of a better term, just making excuses for people when when in reality, I think this is the best way, in my opinion, to ensure that people that want to get have a vote are able to do so. And, and there are other ways as well that they could do it. But listen, I listen, think that's, Scott, if you're if you're smart enough to file for your PFD and if you're yeah. qualified to get your PFD, then you're smart enough to say yes. And I want to register to vote as yeah. well. I mean, you, you, we, we don't need the nanny state registering us automatically. We, we just don't. Absolutely. And, and I think it would also help quell a lot of the uh, the situations you just talked about, getting seven ballots into your mailbox. I mean, for sure. Uh, another area I want to look at is some of the voter accountability and transparency pieces. And, and this surrounds the absentee ballot um, sort of portion of, of the legislation as well. And and I was hoping maybe you could talk to our, our listeners a little bit more about that. What is, what is it that we uh, are looking at in this bill when it comes to monitoring and keeping transparency, but also accountability for the absentee ballot portion of, of this legislation. Well, and, and a lot of it has to do with the signature verification and and mm -hmm. our our ability to know whether or not on absentee ballots that we've actually got the right person voting that ballot. Now, it's not the same as in Anchorage where everybody is getting a ballot and anybody can pretty much vote that ballot. We've seen and heard from people. I heard from one guy who said. He voted his entire family's ballots for them. And I'm, I'm not going to tell you who he is because that what he did was actually a felony, but he had their permission. When that, what the, it was was a family test to see if that signature verification system actually worked. Well, it didn't. Every single one of those ballots was counted. And so that was a pretty good test. I don't recommend mm. people do that because, again, that is um, you know fraudulent voting. Even if you have your wife's permission, I, I don't think that's actually proper. But this uh, this bill allows uh, some additional ways to verify that the person who is voting the absentee ballot is actually the person who is that ballot's been issued to. It's a signature verification equipment for the state. So right now, they really don't have uh, any way of, of knowing. Right. And I think that's important. Again, I, I'm not familiar 100% with this uh, signature verification software and what they do to do uh, to kind of cross-reference all of that. But I do think it helps with understanding exactly what you're talking about, which is uh, transparency, accountability, responsibility for those absentee ballots. 
And more than anything else, I think it's really important that the public feels that's the case. But it's not just all about that in terms of the transparency and, and accountability, which is an incredibly important piece. But this bill also helps a lot of our rural communities and communities that are off the road system when it comes to getting their vote in for counting. And there's a portion of that, this that helps rural communities with an option for mail-in voting. And I think it was uh, a crucial part of the bill. I think it's important, particularly when it's the fact that Alaska um, geographically is so diverse and so different. And there is, you know, it's difficult sometimes. And a lot of this came from the pandemic. So I was wondering if you talk a little bit about in the in the uh, legislation itself about this rural communities off the beaten road um, mail-in voting option. Yeah, and they don't know a lot about it because what they're doing is they're still writing the bill. They haven't really put all right. the, the the details in it. So really, it's just what I have is the the high points on it. The it's new regulations. Um, it it allows uh, it's working with smaller communities, villages, and gives the division elections the ability to mail ballots. Yeah, if, if it's required to give some Alaskans the chance to vote, even during a pandemic, I would need to see a lot more detail around that before I could speak about it um, yeah, with yeah. any kind of any kind of authority, quite honestly. Uh, that, that's just a bullet point. There are a lot of bullet points on this. It's uh, they, they're going to redefine or, or further define what, it, what a crime is, what a, what election fraud crime actually is. Yep. I think that's yep. important, too. Everything they're doing in this bill is uh, is to address the sense that many Alaskans have that there is uh, that there are a lot of holes in our system. Now, I don't know that there's a rampant fraud that it's changed things that much, but you remember back in it was 2016, 2016 I think it was the election up in Shungnak, the the division elections worker up there during the Walker administration gave everybody two ballots because people wanted to they wanted to vote for. Um, the Republican ballot so they could vote for Lisa Murkowski, but they wanted to get the Democratic ballot so they could vote for some of the Democratic candidates. So they, you know, they gave them two ballots. They got two ballots in that community. Happened in other places as well. Uh, very rampant in rural Alaska where they just sort of have sort of cut corners. Now with this yeah. new system of an open primary, we're not going to have a Republican ballot and a Democratic ballot. It's going to be really hard to give people two ballots. You know how they found out, we found out that um, they were giving two ballots in Shungnak? It was because I was doing the research for, for a story on Must Read Alaska, and I started going through and saying, wait a minute, there are only 100 voters in Shungnak, and yet they've had 200 ballots cast. How did that happen? And I called, right. um, I called my friend Randy Rudrick and said, what do you think happened? He said, I know exactly what happened. And so it was because of our watching it, and we shouldn't have yeah. to watch it that carefully, but it was because of our watching that we were able to catch that. And um, in, in that instance, I think they let all those votes stand. And it's just, we can't allow that kind of stuff to go on. One person, one ballot. And so anything that Dunleavy can do to tighten this uh, election system up, I think uh, we, need to, we need to really back this. 100% agree. I, I think this is a great bill by the governor and the lieutenant governor. I think it also helps that he's listening to the people and the people have, have asked for this and, and they've been working on it pretty diligently. I also think this comes at an interesting point at the heels of the lieutenant governor Myers uh, saying he's not going for re-election in 2022. And, and a lot of the 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 reasons surrounding that, uh, particularly what you wrote in the article regarding that, was about the fact that with the jungle primary and the ranked choice voting, there is significant um, eyes that are going to be on these elections that's coming up here. And for him, it's important that there's no bias involved. 
but also that he's able to give his full attention to that. And I think this bill also speaks to that. The fact that they've taken all this aggregate data, seen everything, heard from, you know, small people of, you know, 10 groups talking to the lieutenant governor, to people of 100 or more. Uh, I was at a, an event in Wasilla where the lieutenant governor was there and a bunch of people that were in a, uh, I don't even know, I think it was a retirement home in a, in a little conference room. I watched and the questions were not anything, had nothing to do with anything else. Um, that's what they wanted to know. They wanted, so to that's know they wanted to know how our elections could be more secure. Yes, people yeah, have absolutely. lost faith in, faith in the system because we have um, a lot of, uh, of transparency problems and we have a lot of, um, of corruption across the country. I don't know that it actually changed the outcome of the election in 2020. But we do need to keep a closer eye on it. I do not know that the Dominion tabulation machines are a problem, but I do know that Texas refused to, to buy them and Alaska did buy them. Texas said they aren't secure. Alaska went ahead and bought them. I don't know that our system is always being hacked, but it was hacked in 2020. And unfortunately, the information was withheld from us until after the election. So there's there's a lot of reasons that we should be concerned, and I hope that the legislature takes this uh, legislature very seriously. Because if they don't, I have a feeling that the voters will um, will take action this fall. Absolutely. Well, well, moving on, talking about transparency, accountability, uh, the Bronson administration introduced uh, the uh, possibility of changing the charter, and this really surrounds one position, and that's the municipal clerk, and making that position an elected three-year position that is uh, up for voters to vote on after three years. So I think, number one, um, this comes on the heels of a lot of conflict, number one, between the Bronson administration and the assembly, as well as the municipal clerk who works for the assembly. So uh, let's just let's just stop for a minute before we go any further, because I know we've got a lot of things we want to talk about about this. But Suzanne, from your perspective, give us a bit of an overview and what you think uh, some of the reasonings behind this are. Well, uh, it comes down to the municipal clerk being a little bit too much in the in the camp of the of the liberal assembly, and you could sort of see that with what happened in the recent election. Uh, Barbara Jones had never had the level of scrutiny that she had during this recent election. Uh, and, and we've we've moved over to all mail-in ballots and people don't get to see the, the counting process. The, you know, the it's all done sort of in a, in a building instead of usually what you do is you'd go and you'd, you'd put your ballot in the box and then you'd know it was counted, it was tabulated. But yep. um, you know, you, it was in there, it was accepted. But now what we see is a whole bunch of ballots being rejected because whatever, she says that the, the, the signature didn't match. And we heard from many people who were denied the ability to vote this time. Hundreds of people actually had their, um, had their ballots rejected because their signature wasn't exactly the way it was on their driver's license, which is the one they use. And I don't know about you, but you really can't hardly write your signature correctly on your driver's license. And if you don't you know, copy it exactly on your, on your ballot envelope, they're rejecting it. And you won't find out until perhaps after the election. And also when you, in this mail-in election, if, if you mail in your ballot and then you leave town, let's just say you're, you're gonna go on a trip, um, you may find out when you get back from your trip that, you, that your ballot was rejected and you don't have time to fix it. So Barbara Jones is running a, a really interesting operation down there. She seems to be very much in the uh, camp of the Liberal Assembly. She works for them. They're also on the ballot. So she's she's actually 
uh, running elections for people who are, you know, on the ballot. And it, there seems to be a lot of conflict of interest. With, um, with Bronson's campaign, they sent people down there kind of 24 seven. In fact, at one point, it, things seemed so sketchy down at Election Central that they just parked the RV down there and kept somebody there at all times to watch who was coming in and going from the building because they had lost faith in the clerk's ability to you know, really show that she was running a fair election. Well, mm. uh, at, at, various, at various things happened. Like, okay, the fire alarm went off right in the middle of counting and the whole building mm. had to be cleared. And then they had to sort of bring in some sort of, sort of reasoning for how they would bring people back in the building and ensure everybody that nothing happened while that fire alarm had gone off. It was just a fire alarm that went off. Like, how does the fire alarm malfunction right in the middle of, the, of counting ballots? Fire alarms don't malfunction that often. Funny things happened. So, uh, so I think he's in, uh, he's asking for her to be an elected position so that she will be more neutral in her job and she can still do all the work for the assembly, which means you know getting their agendas ready and doing their minutes. And she's got a staff of about ten and running the elections. And she needs to be accountable to the people, not to the assembly. And I think that's probably appropriate. And in larger cities, this is not uncommon. Smaller mm -hmm. cities, it's very common for a, an appointed clerk to run the elections. They're appointed down in Kenai. They're appointed in other places. But Anchorage is a large city. And maybe this should be a, a position that is elected by the people. I'm not opposed to this. Yeah, I'm not either. I think, uh, you know, you and I uh, in Mustard, Alaska, did a lot of work in this uh, this mayoral campaign where you know I did some video stuff. You obviously wrote uh, quite a bit around the the election, and in particular down at Ship Creek, that the election office down there, that kind of warehouse where they housed both uh, ballots that are being counted and also blank ballots. And that was another part of the sketchiness was how blank ballots were being introduced into the building as opposed to waiting. It, there was a lot that was going on during that election cycle and we covered it pretty well. And, and as you know, there was a video that I did down there right when you did that story that went viral because people care. People care about their elections. They wanna know that they're fair, that they're transparent and that people are being held accountable. And I think the number one thing that we've seen from the municipal clerk right now is a pushback to accountability and transparency. Uh, recently, we had sort of changes to Title 28 that happened mm -hmm. this last Tuesday that really fly in the face of accountability and transparency. Now, they weren't nearly as bad as they were proposed to be in terms of the, um, the sort of uh, magnitude of changes. But nonetheless, it's a bad look when you're trying to change the, the accountability and transparency, regardless of how minuscule or major they are. It's just a bad look. And so this provides the opportunity for the, the clerk to be accountable, to be transparent, and to be neutral, which is the most important thing. Because you've heard some really bad stories during the campaign about how the municipal clerk treated the Bronson administration oh, voting uh, watchers and mm -hmm. the way she talked to them, um, the way that uh, it was perceived. I've got, her, I've got her on video just just talking down to the to the volunteers in the most disrespectful tones. It was very stressful for her. She did not respond well under stress. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if this did go into becoming an elected position, if she just decided to, it would be her time to retire. If it was an elected position, Scott, the other thing is, is that the voters would be able to recall a, a, a city clerk if that clerk was found to be um, swaying the election one way or the other, if they, they were found to be unfair. Yeah, I would, I would, obviously, yes, 100%. And then the other thing that we talked about before we actually got on 
uh, to record this was the fact that uh, it seemed very odd when recall efforts were being made to some of the assembly members that uh, outside of Felix, there were there were two or three, we, uh, we were trying to recall the names, uh, assembly members that were petitioned for recall that were denied. Yeah. And they were denied just based off Barbara Jones saying, one I'm person. these. One person yeah. can deny a recall petition. And of course- uh, And remember, want- she works for the assembly. Yeah. So the people that are being recalled, she's denying because they're her boss. Okay, I mean, so so let's let's put it this way. So Meg Zalatel, the, the petition was to recall Meg Zalatel. Meg Zalatel is on the assembly. She's the boss of Barb Jones. Barb Jones denies the petition to recall Meg Zalatel, her boss. I mean, you yeah. can see the problem with that. Anybody can see that that's not fair. That's not reasonable. And, and uh, people like Russell Biggs, who was trying to get that recall through, he had to fight that in court for a year and went all the way to the Alaska Supreme Court. It's ridiculous. Yeah. A lot of money spent, a lot of taxpayer money spent. And at the end of the day, this could, if, if it fits the criteria, it fits the criteria, bottom yeah. line. So let's, let's move on to, this is going to be introduced uh, to the assembly. The assembly needs to vote on it and uh, to get it onto the ballot for, uh, for this they, next election. And the pu- yeah, and the public has to vote on it in, t- in order to change the charter. Now right. they, will have, they will accept it. They will put it in a committee. They'll probably bury it in a committee. It may not see the light of day. And, uh, and so then they'll have to run on that themselves in the, those, those who are up for election are gonna have to run on that, but they just say, well, it's in committee. I can't do anything about it. So it's right. going to be interesting. The mayor is giving them a, a real challenge as they face their own reelection. Meg Zalatel will have to, to you know, go on the record and say, what does she think about having the clerk as an elected position? And what they will say is, well, that would politicize it. Well, I don't know how you could more politicize it than it is already, quite honestly. Absolutely. So why would they bury it? What are some of the reasons you think that they would bury this? I mean, for me, the number one reason, and, and it's a political reason, is you don't want to give the outside of there's nothing wrong with that idea outside of the fact of a couple things. Number one, for me, the Bronson administration gets a win. You don't want to give the administration that you're constantly embattled in, in with a win. So just the fact that this, this piece has been brought forward by the Bronson administration already is dead to rights when it comes to the fact that they don't want to give the Bronson administration a win at all. I mean, that's my perspective. But what are some other reasons? No, that is, that's basically it. It's, it's a, it's complete, uh, ability to just throw it back in in the Bronson administration and say, you know, whatever, whatever you say, if you if you say it's good, we say it's bad. If you say it's bad, we say it's good. We heard we got this. This is the hot mic situation back in the spring. Christopher Constant. uh, You remember this? okay? I do remember it. It's exactly where I was going. When Forrest Dunbar was losing to Dave Bronson for a mayor, Chris Constant was on hot mic saying, well, we need to lift this mask mandate and I'm going to go ahead and do this. And uh, why do it now? Because I don't want to give Jamie Allard a win. And then clear as day, clear as day with hot mic. They do not want to give their political opponents a win. And so they they passed the the lifting of the mask mandate to try to help their their colleague Forrest Dunbar win, which he didn't. And but the great admission was. He, he whispered it, but man, I tell you, that was, um, that was a Chris constant moment. He, he's the gift that keeps giving for sure. Yes. Well, uh, this will be interesting to see how the, how the assembly plays uh, moving forward. Obviously they've got a, a majority hyper left leaning group of individuals who will do everything they can to keep it status quo or, you know, 
grab more power and try to leave the Bronson administration uh, high and dry in the dust. Well, I want to finish up with something that's really interesting. I told you, you know, I watched kind of the societal tones of different things. And obviously, um, C-19, if you will, is a hot topic. And what I'm noticing, Suzanne, and this is really interesting, uh, I'm noticing that in the professional sports realm, which I love watching sports, there's a lot of discontent right now with the fact that this Omicron variant has kind of created quite a wrinkle in uh, what was being told to players in all four major sports, that if they follow protocol, getting vaccinated, uh, nothing about boosters, but just getting vaccinated, that that type of protocol, along with some other things, would allow them to play in the sport that they reside in, also without fear of having to be quarantined, without anything. Well, that seems to not be the case right now. And some of the biggest proponents in the beginning of this and some of the biggest people pushing vaccinations are now some of the people that are rebelling against what seems to be now a change in plans. So what I mean is LeBron James, for example, uh, in the last couple of weeks tweeted out a meme where you essentially have like COVID, that, that cartoon me with Batman, Spider-Man, and I forgot the other cartoon characters. Yeah, and they're all Spider- holding- the, the Spider-Man meme, yeah. Yeah, we're holding proverbial guns at each other. And one says COVID, the other one says flu, and the other one says, I don't remember what else. Oh. But essentially saying, oh. how do we, yeah. yeah, how do we know what's what? And the, and the the remark was, is like, this seems to be getting out of control where people, where players are being put into their league's COVID protocol, which is affecting teams' abilities to win and lose, teams' abilities to play games. Games are getting canceled. College basketball has been greatly affected. Recently, there was uh, cancellations of some bowl games because uh, football teams, college football teams are now pulling out or not participating or in COVID. Uh, This is having a major impact on the sports landscape. And as you know, sports in America is a societal kind of um, uh, thermostat to what the greater uh, societal feeling is on this. And now what I'm saying is you're having people that were made components of this um, now pushing back and getting frustrated and angry. And my, 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 have things changed now when, when decisions are made without really looking at further repercussions? I, I'm curious your thoughts on this. You've had some great, great opinions on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I, I used to follow NBA a lot closer, but they got really woke in the past year, few years, and mm-hmm. I kind of don't watch them anymore. And, and LeBron James is not one of my favorite guys. He's he's so woke, and he's so he's been really um, pro vaccine, and he's been very disrespectful of those who had a, a different opinion. But he has sort of come around, and he's realizing that okay, I've been vaccinated, I've been boosted, and now Omicron's getting all people like me. Uh, so he he put out that meme that basically said, okay, what is it? Is it a cold? Is it a flu? Is it COVID? What is it? And then right. you have people like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who is a, a NBA legend. Now he's criticizing LeBron James and saying, no, no, this is you know you're not helping here, buddy, because the black people won't get their vaccinations if you if you go out and cast doubt on whether the vaccines work. But uh, so you see that going across the different sports earlier in the year, it was Aaron Rodgers in the, in the NFL who immunized. And, and, you know, he kind of he kind of <laughs> was dodging around whether I was vaccinated. Finally, he said, yeah, I'm not vaccinated. And, you know, he was getting a lot of criticism for that. But now it's like, OK, the NFL is like they're shortening the quarantine period for people who yep. are asymptomatic players. Now they don't you know, it's to five days now from 10. 
So the rules keep changing and now you've got the sports world and you also have some of the celebrity world also starting to change on this. And they were all gung ho, go, you know, whatever Joe Biden, whatever mm -hmm. Fauci says, not the case anymore. It's changing rapidly. Well, those let's go Brandon chants are getting louder. And I think, listen, the, the bottom line is this. Uh, it's becoming it's so ironic, right? Um, people are getting frustrated because in the sports world or in the celebrity world, the go posts seem to be changing. Well, welcome to the world of the public where we've had to endure this for going on close to two years now of goalposts changing. Again, mm -hmm. I always say this on the podcast when we talk about C-19. If you remember back in April of 2020, it was, hey, just put your mouth in between your, your arm and your forearm and your, you know, it, it's your elbow, it's knees and wash that's your hands. The, that's what they said is, is that put your cough into your sleeve and everything's yeah. going to be fine. And then two weeks later, it was like, no, we're going to go ahead and just shut down a little bit for, you know, a month just to do the, the reset. And then we're here. We're here weeks, now. And two so weeks to flatten the curve. And now we're in um, variant three or yeah. four. I'm not really sure which one we're on, but, you know, it's with us. Well, yeah. And we've seen the hubris of people who think they could write. So a great example of this is Joe Biden himself admitting, oh, you know what? beat back the virus. How, how many times did you hear that during the campaign? Our administration is going to beat back the virus, the hubris of that. And then all of a sudden now he's got to come out and admit, you know what, this is probably a state issue. We're going to go ahead and let it be a state. Yeah. I mean, you just can't, you can't make this stuff up. And, and so what it says to me, and this is, this is where I'm going with this, Suzanne. I mean, I love sports and whatnot, but the, for you guys who have listened this far and, and are wondering, Scott, why are you talking about sports? I've got a question and I got a question for you. I feel like the Dunleavy administration was right about their COVID sort of plan thus far, which is, hey, we're not going to um, keep moving the goalposts. We're not going to try. We're going to uh, allow, again, if you don't remember, Alaska was the first state to allow or to make available the vaccine in a variety of different uh, ways. Number one was for people 16 and up uh, to open it up past just the top tiers, all of that. D Governor Dunleavy has done an excellent job of managing this pandemic. He gets a lot of crap from a lot of people who are political enemies, but I would say the general public is pleased with what he's been doing. And I, I often wonder, has he really had a, a very good playbook into how he's managed this pandemic? Because what we're seeing elsewhere is the exact opposite. The hubris of others, the inexperience of others, or the fact that the goalpost continually moves has caused dramatic tension meanwhile here in alaska outside of maybe political enemies i would say people are fairly comfortable with how uh the governor has has managed i don't know if you have a different opinion i'm just i leave that up to you yeah at the beginning the you remember at the beginning of this pandemic and this was two years ago almost to the mm -hmm. day basically we had people who were walking down the streets of China and then they would fall on their face and they would die of this virus. Yep. I mean, people were falling in the streets, dying of the virus. And you saw the footage from Wuhan province and people were, mm -hmm. were stacked up like cordwood. It was uh, it was really awful. And what we thought we were dealing with was a, a little bit different than later on what we found we were dealing with. And then, of course, it, it popped up into a, a nursing home in Kirkland, Washington, and the older folks were in the nursing home were dying, like 20% of them died in that nursing home because they were in, in a nursing home. And this is a bad virus. Yeah. It gives you pneumonia and all kinds of other stuff. And they didn't know how to treat it. And of course, once you put that uh, that ventilation hood on, you've got about a 50% chance of making it, maybe. It's not right. a, a good situation. It is a tough virus. 
Um, but, but, and the governor and Ann Zink, who, um, you know, I'm not her biggest fan, but Ann Zink was following the CDC guidance, and, and that's her job as the, the chief medical officers to take the guidance from the feds. Mm -hmm. uh, they made the best decisions they could at the beginning, and there were some shutdowns thinking that, well, we need to get this PPP from China, we, I mean, this uh, personal protective equipment PPE from China uh, over here on planes, we need to get uh, test kits made up in Wasilla, we need to get everything in place so that we can manage this virus, and they did that, they got masks, mm -hmm. they got personal protective gear, and the more we have found out, uh, the more that he has come to reasonable sort of accommodation of people's lives. He only had a shutdown for about two weeks. Now, Anchorage had a shutdown that went on and off and on and off for months. Many businesses have been closed down by Ethan Berkowitz and Austin Quinn Davidson. It has been a nightmare. Um, Juno has had shut down almost, uh, almost complete shutdown for two years and you still can't move, uh, move about freely. But what the governor has done from his position, he said, yep, but those are local decisions and you don't want the president telling us what to do and the local people you elect, they don't want me telling them what to do. So I'm going to take a hands off. I'm going to let local people decide what they want to do. And if you voted for Berkowitz, then that's kind of the government you're going to get in Anchorage. So, you know, if you want a good government, maybe you ought to move to the Valley, but but uh, now we've got uh, Dave Bronson, of course, and he has lifted all those mask mandates and all those, those different kinds of requirements, and we don't have to worry about businesses being shut down again. The governor's done a great job. I mean, there's no yep. question. This is one of the victories of his governorship is to manage a pandemic in the way he has. He's been one of the best in the, in the country. He's, he's as equally as good as Ron DeSantis in my book. Absolutely. And I think uh, the other one is to realize that it's easy to sit as an armchair quarterback when you're not having to make the tough decisions and, and critique everybody. But at the end of the day, I, I would say that I would 100% agree with you. Um, you know, when people say, you know, why isn't Dunleavy like Ron DeSantis? Well, he is. He's he's probably more conservative in, in some areas than, than Ron is, but he's done a fantastic job. And if you look at states like California, New York, who are in the top 10 of people exiting, the, the when you do sort of polling on why people are leaving the number one reason is is really how the the governor of those states including the the local um leadership has handled the pandemic is why people left i mean it was yeah. very obvious as to why and so i i think this is a, a big like you said a big victory for the dunleavy administration thus far and i think i think this is something that people should really think about because it's still ongoing we still you know, the Omicron variant is is flying through America right now. And, um, and oh, every everybody that I know who's gotten COVID is Omicron variant. These are all people who've been, you know, early adopters of, of uh, the vaccine and boosted. Absolutely. As well, and they're all Absolutely. getting it. And so so everybody, you know, you know buckle up because everybody's yeah. getting the Omicron. It is it is that contagious. It, it is. Um, well, listen, Suzanne, it is New Year's Eve. I want to let you know this year. Um, it's weird. This year feels like it's gone by fast and slow at the same time. And I don't know how else to describe it other than that, but it's been, a, it's been an incredible ride. I'm excited about 2022, especially for Mount Street, Alaska. If you're a listener out there and if you're a reader that just happened to pick this up or just a supporter as well, you all, all of you, and some of you are all three, 
uh, are incredibly important. We want to thank you again. It has been a great year in 2021 in terms of us connecting with you, you connecting with us, and us providing the content that you guys need and want because we are continually battling against mainstream and legacy newspaper media to actually get the facts out and giving you a perspective other than just the one side. So thank you guys so much. Suzanne, anything you'd like to say before we head on out? Well, happy New Year to you and happy New Year to all of our listeners and readers at Must Read Alaska. I appreciate every single one of you for reading and for supporting. Your moral support has been great. Your financial support has been great. It's allowed me to you know, hire Scott to, to run these, these podcasts, John Quick, um, David Boyle, our new uh, our writer for education, and also our, our tech team. So we've got a, a, a lot of we've got a lot going on here, and I really appreciate the support that people have given Must Read Alaska to keep going and to share the conservative viewpoints on the news because we're certainly not, certainly not getting that from anywhere else in Alaska at this point. Not at all. So again, guys, thank you so much. If you had a, if you have not had a chance, go to Facebook and like us. Like I said, we're we're so close to twenty five thousand likes, and uh, you get a lot of great content on there, both video and uh, catching up on articles. Also, if you haven't a chance, go to YouTube and subscribe to our channel. Hit the notification bell so every time we either put a podcast out or we've got video of things that uh, people have sent in or we've shot, you'll get to know that as well. But we're also on a bunch of different. Uh, platforms as well outside of those two we're on MeWe, twitter rumble parlor the works and it's all under the same handle must read alaska one word well everybody i hope you have a great new year's eve be safe thank you so much and until tomorrow take care alaska.